Thank you for listening to Devoted. We meet every week on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. at Calvary Chapel, East Anaheim. My name is Sean Tebby, as Joe just uh, introduced me, and thank you very much for that. Uh, I've known Joe seven years-ish, something like that. And uh, I think one of the last times I saw him in person, his hair was (laughs) down here. That was in Dublin. And... uh, he and, and quite a few other people in this church came over and did outreach uh, with us at with Calvary Chapel Dublin. And it was a really, really beautiful time. Uh, I love doing outreach. I can't do it as fast and as hard as I used to anymore, but I love that. I love that when people are spurred by Almighty God to participate in, he, in what He wants to do somewhere else. But that should be happening when it's already happening here, right? Bloom where you're planted. And you guys, right now, you're inside of a church, a building that is the part of a church that gives lots of feeding. Faithful, faithful, faithful to the Word of God. And you'll bloom if you sit and listen and then do what the Word of God, what the principles being taught, will do. And Pastor Bob has has been, this church and Pastor Bob have been my pastor since 1995, somewhere around there. And uh, it was in Placentia, the prior building, and probably before some of you were born. But uh, and, I, and I remember just I was part of ministry, children's ministry, leading worship in children's ministry, I had a real heart for missions that God put inside of me. Uh, that's his work and was part of the Mexico ministry, and, and which was a pure joy. All of that preparatory uh, led a team from this church in 1997 to Dublin. As far as I know, the first time Calvary Chapels participated in outreach in Ireland. There were five churches from around the States, five Calvary Chapels that went to Ireland, and then we dispersed in five different places around Dublin and did outreach. We love-bombed that city. It was, it was an amazing thing. I was single then. I returned, met who would become my wife, Deanna, who's not here with me, unfortunately. Otherwise, you'd have someone really gorgeous to look at. And, and uh, we're, we're, we're super blessed. I met her right after that outreach trip. Uh, we were married six months later and by Pastor Bob, and we led a team together again in 1998 in Dublin. And by that time, we understood God clearly had spoken, come and serve him here uh, in, in Ireland. Came home, shared that with Pastor Bob and the elders, and, and uh, he said, we see it. We, we're, we confirm that this is what God's doing. And so we were sent out the next summer in 1999. And part of, I was just an assistant to the first Calvary Chapel being planted in Ireland in Cork City. And at that time we had, well, when we went there, we had no children. We went over with three suitcases, a computer and no children. And we, we came home three and a half years later. I had applied to the school of ministry at Calvary Coast Mesa when we came home, we had seven suitcases, three children, and one computer. And it was, it was a really beautiful time. 
Our three daughters were all born in Cork City at that time, uh, Esther, Aoife, and Cleona. You might wanna write that down, I'm gonna quiz you later on. Uh, when we were back in the States, I went through school, I worked full time, we had a son that was born. We knew God wanted us to return to Ireland. We didn't know when, what would it look like? We're now a family of six people and uh, we, we started to raise support and found out we're gonna have a son. The brakes were thrown on. God ordained that, we accepted that. Deanna accepted it better than me, but it, it, was, it was the thing that God was doing. We returned in 2009 uh, and I took over a church in Dublin that was uh, needed help. And by God's grace, I allowed to, I was blessed to be able to take that over. Uh, we kind of replanted that church. I should back up a little. After I finished school of ministry in May of 2005, uh, I came back to Ireland with Paul Richards, Pastor Jim's son, and Christian Fambro, if any of you know him. And it was time to return. We we're hearing that from the Lord. And where will we go? Where would you like us to go, God? I'm asking that question. My wife and I are praying this. Uh, Dublin has 84% of the Christian workers in the country concentrated. That's on the East Coast. The West Coast, missiologically, is considered unchurched, uh, predominantly Roman Catholic country. More than 50 towns on the West Coast of Ireland have no evangelical witness. Ireland is the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world. Let that fiddle around in your noodle for a minute, right? And so we're on the West Coast. We went to four different towns. The last one was a town called Sligo. I'd never been there, been praying for it. And while we were there, uh, I, I read in my Devo in the morning when, when the apostles, the disciples were in the boat on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus comes walking on the water. Wouldn't we all like to experience something like that? Jesus, I want to be where you are. That was Peter's godly, boldly, confident statement. I want to be right where you are. And that's what I was asking God. What we were asking God, we know you've called us here. We're not sure where you want us. And that was my Devo in the morning. And it's as if God had spoken. Jesus spoke, come. That's what he said to Peter. You remember that? Yeah, come, this city needs my word is what he, what he reverberated in my heart. And that was 2005. We weren't there yet in 2009. I pastored in Dublin. We were blessed to do so for uh, just over eight years. And interestingly, after 16 years, we moved to Sligo. And just my family, the six of us, planted that church. Uh, that was April, four years ago, uh, April passed. And we're super blessed by what's going on there. Ireland is a, is, is a tough country, least evangelized speaking country in the world. And I describe it sometimes like plowing granite. Uh, are there any farmers here? Probably not, you're in Southern California. Excellent. So 
granite would not be your chosen place of farming, would it? But if God calls you to farm and granite, what should we do? Run? No, we, we respond to them. Yes, Lord, if you're calling me, I know you're going to help me to walk in the water, to make it to where you are. As long as our pure heart's desires, I want to be where you are. And so Slyco started April uh, four and a half years ago. We have about two dozen people right now, 30 sometimes. Uh, we all understand, know what's going on in Ukraine with Russia and, and why do the nations rage, right? This is, we're seeing that unfold before us. When Putin invaded, we began to pray as a church Wednesday nights in our home. Uh, God intervened, wrestle in Putin's heart that he would surrender to you, protect Ukrainians, protect Russian soldiers. We just began to pray for God to intervene whatever way he decided. There have been tons of Ukrainian refugees leave Ukraine. Many have come to Ireland. Sligo is a town of about 30,000 people. There's more than 5,000 Ukrainians in Sligo. And so two months after we began to pray the invasion, uh, one family comes one Sunday, 13 people, mom, her five sons and three children to the oldest of those sons. His name is Mike Cola. He's English speaking. He became the translator. Next week, another family, another two families. We had 70 people just around April time, mostly Ukrainians, but God's doing this thing. And I'm scratching my head. How are we supposed to minister to people we can barely talk to? Thank goodness for Google Translator, right? And sometimes we talk to them and we're, we're writing things and saying things on our phone and, and we're trying to converse that way. Uh, but it was beautiful. It, it was amazing. And something that happened in the end of April, two of these Ukrainian guys just, they, they, they got the notion that their Ukrainian brothers and sisters, their, their countrymen, needed to worship together. And they started their own thing. It kind of hurt. It, it hurt quite a bit, if I'll be honest with you. But they started some, God did something. He started something, and I'm glad we could be part of it. There's still Ukrainians in our church, uh, and, and, and it's going well. Ukrainians, uh, there's, there's a group, a mom, her three children, her daughter is 23 or 24, uh, son is 15, the other brother is uh, 12, and they're, they're from Crimea. If you, if you remember, Putin invaded that seven or eight years ago, something. Their dad is still there, faithfully serving in his church to minister to his church. Yeah. Can you imagine missing your dad that way? And one lady in our church, Tatiana, she's a pediatric doctor, went back to visit her family two months ago and went to where her home was. There was nothing, just flat ground. Another couple there, five sons, remained in Ukraine, all in the military. If you were there, you were conscripted to be in the army. One son had been killed, another one has lost his mind. Another gal in our church, Olga, 
her nephew was besieged upon by three Russians and they took him. Can, can you imagine being driven out of your home, out of your country and coming with nothing? And that is most of them. Another family and that was in the church, husband, wife with two children. They had a home that they built themselves on 15 acres. They had 1,500 chickens, some other livestock. When they saw the missiles flying overhead, they locked the door, walked away, and were sent as refugees to Ireland. I know nothing about that kind of life. Nothing. But God brought them, and he had his purposes in it. And we wanted to serve diligently and faithful to whatever he puts before us. That's what each one of us should do, amen? What kind of things has he put before you? What do your eyes see? What, what sorts of burdens are in your heart that, that you believe God has put there that you could serve to, to exalt his kingdom, to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ? In a few minutes, I want to share a little bit about that out of the book of Joshua. Uh, so Cork City, 1999-ish for three and a half years, Dublin for a little while, and, and now Sligo for four years. Um, like I said, I'm moving a little slower than I used to, but uh, I, I love what we do because it is what God wants us to do. You will never find a greater passion than doing what God's called you to do. Never. No greater blessing or joy than to serve the high calling of Jesus Christ. Well, how do you get there? I was sharing with Brother Nick here that um, I got saved in Calvary Chapel Orange uh, in 1989. Is, is anyone that old or not? Yeah, yeah, a few of you. And, and I, I, I remember I came out of drugs and drinking. I spent time in OCJ. Uh, I abortion, there's adultery and, and lots of things that maybe some of you have experienced. And, and I, I was a mess. I was a basket case. I was my own destruction, and but the Lord arrested my heart. Man, I will never turn back. Please, God, just stay close to him. Where was I going? 19, I got saved there and in Calvary Chapel Orange. <clears throat> and I remember after about six months, I, I went up to Pastor Dave, and I said, I just really feel like I should be helping. I didn't know the lingo. Right. There's there's an entire dictionary for Christian lingo. Right. Uh, and I, I just feel like I should be helping. Sorry. Yes. And Dave gets this massive smile, these amazing blue eyes. And he says, I, I, I we really need help with our two year olds. Sean, would you help with that? And back then it was OK for guys to serve in children's ministry and uh, uh what I remember, I didn't have a helper, but um, and I and I was in fairly good shape. Then I ate tons of fruit. I still like to, but on a hot summer day, uh, I brought a big bag of black cherries for two-year-olds. And Nick has a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and I just asked him, picture your daughter in a white dress and a Sunday school teacher giving them black cherries. Oh, these are so good and, and all this stuff. And I, I learned so much about the grace of God from parents whose children's 
were soiled by black cherries. And uh, I just kept serving them. Man, find what it is that you think God has put in your heart to do. Just start doing it faithfully. And we don't really need to do this, but just steady, persistent. Amen, Joe? Amen. Amen, guys? So, persistence. It's a great word. There's, I don't know if any of you would know a fellow named Mark Andrews. Uh, their family used to come here quite some time ago. Mark had a heart for missions in Mexico. I served with Mark and Phil Penner in the Mexico missions and one time <laughs> had a very friendly conversation with Mark. Uh, he said, Sean, listen to me. You're very stubborn. But if you'll, if you'll surrender your stubbornness to God, he will make you, he will transform you into a perseverant servant. And he's still working on me with that, by, by the way. But uh, if does that describe any of you, stubbornness? Huh? Is your skull kind of hard and... and uh, maybe it's just the opposite. Whatever it is, surrender it to God and you'll be amazed what he can do with an ordinary person because he's our extraordinary God. Joshua is that kind of person. He has turned in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Joshua. We're going to look at a passage in have I already used up my time, Joe? No, no okay, good, good. Because uh, I'm going to keep going if that's all right with you. Uh, so, um, Joshua chapter 1, we will look at verse 10 through 18 if we can make it that far. But let me pray. And if you would, guys, would you please pray with me that we would hear the Word of God and what the Spirit of God wants to say through the Word of God, that it would enter our hearts and eventually become something by the process of germination, eventually become something that we do for the glory of the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me for that? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each one of these. I thank you for my brother, Joe, and uh, God, your profound, vibrant life in him and in each one of my brothers and sisters here, Lord God. Thank you for your word. Uh, if all the lights were out, we would glow in the presence and the power of your word, Lord God. Let it be a lamp unto our feet tonight, Lord God, but always your word, a lamp to our feet. Come by your Holy Spirit, extract the principles from the pages of this word, extract them and then plant them into our own hearts that we might not just hear, but do the things that you speak to us. And for that, all of that, we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Joshua chapter 10, verse 18, if we can make it there, reads, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp. Is it okay if I use the New King James Virgin, guys? All right. Uh, thank you. I feel really cheeky tonight. I, I, that's a kind of an Irish term, like 
bratty. Forgive me for that. Um, uh, I just love to serve Jesus. I love to see faith grow. Man, that's thrilling. Watch what happens in our text. Verse 11. Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go into to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. That's the east side. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua. This is the three tribes, saying, All that you command us, we will do, and what, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, and all that you command him shall be put to death. Now, look at that last phrase. They remind Joshua of the encouraging word, God spoke to Joshua, only be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and of good courage. So to the nation of Israel, Joshua is a hero, not even close to David, but he's one of their heroes. It's the way he lived and how he led the nation at this time. In Deuteronomy, if you're taking notes, jot down Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. Deuteronomy 6, verse 23 reads this. Then he brought us out from there, Egypt, that he might bring us in to give us the, to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. I'm going to interrupt myself. The sister that led worship, what's your name? Alicia. Sorry? Alicia. Alicia. The song Egypt uh, that, that you did, I heard it for the first time three, four weeks ago in our church in Ukrainian. I'd never heard it before. Somehow God communicated in my heart what it meant. It was beautiful. Thank you very much for that. Uh, come back to the book, Sean. Deuteronomy is an interesting book. It's a fifth of the first five books, the books of the law. We know that. The 12 books, I believe it is, afterwards are the books of history. We understand this. Do we know this, guys? Right, so Deuteronomy is interesting. It's a bridge into the historical books. It's a bridge from law into history. As Joshua begins, as Deuteronomy ends and Joshua begins, the children of Israel are still in the wilderness. They're still on the east side of Jordan. They have not gone into possess the land yet. Okay, so we understand that. And now with Joshua's life, 
we don't have a lot of details about his early life. Certainly, born in Egypt as a slave. I don't think that's contested. Some scholars suggest that Joshua was in the Egyptian military. May have been where he learned his tactics and his being a mighty warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ. According to Josephus, Joshua was 85 years old when he replaced Moses. He was the assistant to Moses for quite a long time. In Exodus 17, we're revealed that Joshua was most likely Israel's first commander. We remember from uh, when Amalek came and fought against Israel in Rephidim, that Joshua was the commander. Moses is up on the mountain, and Aaron and her are holding his arms up. He's the first commander, we suggest, of Israel. And what's interesting is God uses, he's just a normal guy, right? But a warrior, a commander, born a slave, has no home, but he's a normal guy. At this stage, there's not really much that's extraordinary. He was very faithful and loyal to be Moses' assistant. That matters. That's important to us. But why do I make this point? Could God use his personalities, any personality, to accomplish his purposes on this earth? Do you agree with that? Do you believe it? Hello? Yeah. Would you like to learn a little something about me? I don't hear out of this ear at all. And there's a hearing aid in this one. And so sometimes I, I like to make sure that I can hear a response. So thank you for responding <laughs> that way. Uh, personalities, when humbly submitted to the purposes of God, they are examples of heaven's power flowing to earth. And there's no reason it can't be any one of you. In fact, may I say, the reason you were born again is so that it would be that reason. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Uh, so here's a principle we want to hear and understand this evening. Whatever God begins, he finishes faithfully. We've probably heard that a bazillion times, at least. And Whatever God begins, he finishes faithfully. He does it. It's his work. We don't carry the ark. The ark carries us. God completes his work in us so long as we humbly submit to him and continue to follow him. When God promises to do something, he will see it through. The nation coming into the land of promise, the land of Canaan, is a fulfillment of that promise. He spoke that I would give you this land. And we, we understand why Moses did not make it in. He unfortunately misrepresented Jesus just as I do sometimes. My wife and I have been blessed to raise four children. We have one grandson. I know I don't look a day over 25, but he's, he's a year and a couple months old. And they serve in Austria, uh, Parenting reveals imperfections. Get used to it. But if we'll humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and 
the not-so-mighty hand of our children. God will grow them up. Be humble before them, one another. Be humble before those we're ministering with and those that we think would rather reject God. Humble them. Keep being humble before them. God had promised this land to the nation of Israel, to Moses. That ownership, the promise of their ownership was unconditional. God's word never backs off. He always completes what he begins. However, let me suggest to you, and, and many of you might know this, their possession of the land was conditional on them going forth in obedience and walking on the ground, taking the land, Wherever they would go, it was promised that it would become theirs. And the amount of land that was promised to them was over 100,000 square miles, I think is what it is. They only ever achieved 10% of that, ever. And so ownership unconditional. What God has promised to you as a believer, and Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 tells us what it is. It's everything in the heavenly places. And Christ Jesus is ours presently, and that's unconditional. How much have we attained? Have we accessed? Like Israel, 10% of the land promised. Uh, let's go on and take more. Look at verse 5 and 6 of chapter 1. Verse 5 and 6 of Joshua chapter 1. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. The Lord speaking to Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. And I'll stop right there. And I'll look at verse 8. So that's the exhortation to Joshua. Now God says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice in that text the priority of the word of God. That's what God spoke to a commander, a military guy, but a faithful, loyal servant to Moses, to the Lord, the priority of the word of God in his life. So here we are on the precipice of going into the new land. God reminds Moses of these things. He, the leader of Israel, then speaks to the other leaders of Israel. Look at verse 10. Of our text, Joshua commanded the officers of the people. This could be a military officer, depending on the context, could be a judicial officer, could be a civil officer. Perhaps these are the heads of some of the tribes that are present. He commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp, command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. <clears throat> By the way, it would take seven years 
to go in and conquer the amount of land that they took. They're three days away from entering the land of, that was promised to them. Now, most of us would understand that the Canaan, the land of promise or the land that was promised to them, represents the life of faith. Do, do we understand that? Have you heard that before? Going in to take the possession that God has given takes faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We go in and apprehend the things that God has says are ours to take. In verse 10, Joshua extends his command to the, the officers of the camp and tells them, go in and command the people for in three days, prepare provisions for yourselves, for in three days you cross over this Jordan. If you're taking any notes, point number one would be prepare by his provision, for you will cross over. Spiritual principle, what, what are the provisions God has given us to prepare for us to cross over into the life of faith? His word? Fellowship? Worship? Oh, we, we could create quite a significant list with that. But we prepare by his provision the things that he has provided into and for our lives are meant to equip us for the life of faith, to cross over into the land of faith, the land of promise, rather. Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over. If you glance at verse 2 of chapter 1 here in, in Joshua, verse 2 reads, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Israel had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The, now the command is given, prepare provisions for yourselves, for in three days you will cross over. 40 years of wandering, and in three days it's time to go over. Now Joshua and Caleb are the only two of the generation that came out of Egypt that are still living. Everyone else had been born in the wilderness that existed this time. There may have been a million, million and a half, 2.1 million. Joe probably knows the exact number. Uh, cheeky. They wandered in the wilderness 40 years. Now the command is giving. The crossing over will be in three days. Can you imagine the excitement, the strain, and the tension of the excitement? We've been going around in circles for 40 years in the desert. There's that cactus again, and that lizard was there last time. And now three days, it's time to go into the promised land. It's, it's time. Do any of you remember if when you were a kid and... It was your first time going to Disneyland or Magic Mountain. I don't even know if that place even exists anymore. Excited, terrible excitement. But we love terrible excitement, don't we? Huh? We do. I do. I was terribly excited to be here with you guys tonight. I was. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not. Can you imagine the strain of that excitement? Try to. Forty years, now three days, 
three days of waiting. Why does God ordain periods of waiting? It, it may not be a, a chronological period of waiting. It may be some desire or some news you want to hear. If you're taking notes, letter A would be waiting periods are for occupying with necessities. The text tells us that. Joshua speaks to the officers and tells them to say, prepare provisions for yourselves, spiritual things. Of course, it's bread, water. They were not leaving anything east of the Jordan. It was time to go, and we're burning the ships. We're not going to come back. Prepare yourself. But, but remember, the crossing and the taking of the land is a spiritual battle that they will participate in. Spiritual battles require spiritual solutions to overcome. Amen? Amen, guys? They do. And Joshua knew this. He's been around for a while. He understands how God works. He understands when God commands, it's for a purpose, and he will supply what is needed to fulfill the command. He will. He doesn't just command us and leave us empty-handed to figure out what we're supposed to do. No, he always supplies what's needed to supply, to, to meet the command. He does. Waiting periods are for occupying with necessities. Now, most of us would agree, I do anyways, that waiting is difficult. It's very hard. <clears throat> My wife's in Ireland. Uh, you're all single, aren't you? Yeah? No, okay. My wife's in Ireland. I have six weeks to go till I'm home. It's a long time. Yeah. Uh, but we're good. We were prepared for this. Maybe we're not so good. Most of us agree that waiting is a hard part, but how do we prepare to wait? Have any of you ever run a marathon? I thought about it and I got exhausted even thinking about it. <laughs> so if you were thinking of preparing to run a marathon, you would practice. You would run. You'd, you'd maybe increase the distance you would run or the time. If you were preparing to move house, you don't get ready the day you're moving, right? You spend a bit of time boxing things up, maybe for weeks or months, and, and depends if you have a family. How about if you're going to get married? Is it important to prepare? The waiting times are for occupying with the necessities. Maybe someday you'll have children. Aren't they great? Prepare. Prepare yourself for in three days you cross over. Spiritually speaking, we train and we keep our hearts fit to serve. Remember, there's, there's spiritual principles all over the physical crossing over into the land of promise. Joshua tells the officers to pass through the camp, saying, prepare provisions. As they prepare, they're occupying with necessities in this time of waiting. It's a fairly short time, three days. Waiting is are always, waiting times are always days of preparation. 
you guys, each one of you, you're, you're all, you guys are all still pretty young. The days that you have are for preparing yourself for eternity. And you get to do it here on earth. To the glory of God. The days of preparation, can I use the word germination? It's as if you, you jam a seed in the ground and it's going to germinate and God willing, it'll come up and produce whatever it's supposed to. Look at verse 11. In verse 11, we have uh, Joshua says, Pass through the camp, command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves within three days, or within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go into possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Three days. Do you catch that little hint? of the glorious, the miraculous, the power. Joshua, who is a type of Christ, is telling them in three days you're crossing over. How did he know that? Because he was in tune with God. He's a type of Christ. He's in tune with God. He's listening to and obeying the commands of God, and he shares that with those others who lead with him, those officers of the camp. Within three days, you cross over this Jordan. Aver is uh, the word, the Hebrew word for crossover, as far as I can pronounce it. Uh, Aver, crossover, and it's widely used in the scriptures. It means to pass over, to pass by, or to pass through. Used extensively in the Word of God. It's not uncommon. What is Uncommon is the cause of the crossing over. And that is none other than Jesus Christ. We're the New Testament example of the Israelites going in to take the land. We're living the life of faith. We're moving into day by day, step by step, decision by decision into the promised land. We're apprehending more of, or hopefully all of what God desires for us, more of Jesus more of his word, crossover. And the cause always is Christ Jesus. Crossing over is common. That's the step of faith. Crossing over is activating faith to do that which God has put before us. And Jesus Christ is always the cause of our crossing over. Amen? He is, always. He never is not the cause. He's the cause for crossing over, for passing through, or going around, whatever it may be. Jot down Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. Isaiah 43, verse 2. This is a beautiful text. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. I wonder if... God in some way put a version of this in Joshua's mind. The text later tells us the condition of the Jordan River, that it's overflowing all of its banks. It's springtime, lots of rain had been coming down. It was dangerous. It was perilous. It was, it was, it was treacherous to try to cross over. Worst time ever to try to do that. But God knows, doesn't he? When he gives a command, 
He also gives us the truth that undergirds the command that he has given to us. The imperative and the indicative. The indicative is the truth that God undergirds his command with. Crossover. Christ is the cause. He is our expectant hope. Amen? As we walk this life, as we cross over, he's our expectant hope. He's who we are looking to, to aid us in crossing over. Whatever that point of faith is, whatever it's aimed at, whatever it's leading you to, marriage, children, new job, buying a house, going to the mission field. He is the cause of that. Now, for me, there's some parts of my life where three days is, is absolutely nothing. I shared briefly that the calling to Sligo and the actual going there to plant was 16 years. I, I, I thought it was not going to happen. I did. I began to think that. Can I ask you guys, what have you been waiting for? What could it be? Have you spent three years waiting for power on high to overcome something? Have you spent three years waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life and just, just use you to the uttermost? Have you been waiting three years to overcome some addiction or dependency, loneliness, depression? Have you been waiting to receive some assurance of salvation or truth that Jesus really is the way? Be convinced he is. He is. My first night in being admitted into Orange County Jail for the things that I blamed God for, uh, a cell twice as large as this, about 80 men, mostly Chicanos, if I can use that phrase, right? If anyone even remembers but and and bunk beds, eighty men and three showers, and there I was sobbing, blaming God for putting me in there. And one guy killed another one that night, first night. I was terrified. Why are you doing this to me? He set me free. I haven't needed to look back. I haven't wanted to. I knew what he redeemed me from. What are you waiting for? What is your point of crossing over? What has God shown you maybe just a short time ago, tonight, maybe three years ago? Square your life away. Trust me, I'm going to do this work in your life. What, what could that be for you? Write it down and take action by faith of what God wants, what he's calling you to do.
Don't let tonight be another, I'm going to get to that. Many of us are pros at procrastinating, aren't we? Uh, maybe like Thomas, you've uttered those words of Thomas. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going or how can we know the way? Ask him, God, I want, I need to cross over and know where you are and where you're taking me. Has that been answered in your life? Has that been answered in your life? What are you waiting for? This might take a while to write it down if you want to, but know this. Let let her be in your, if you're taking notes, our second sub point. Jesus loves you. He meets you where you are, just as you are. But he will never leave you there, just as you are. Jesus loves you and meets you where you are, just as you are, but he will never leave you there, just as you are. Maybe you guys are part of a very critical generation that needs to speak to confused kids who are being fed such lies and rubbish. And you can say to them, Jesus meets you right where you are, just as you are, but he won't leave you there. He wants to purge the ugly and reveal the precious. So few people believe that anymore, especially our kids, the kids that are being grown up in this day and taught some of this rubbish that's going on. That's happening in Ireland, by the way, as well. The wondrous word abounds with these examples. We might remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By the way, Ireland, we, I think we broke a record last week for 90 degrees. Usually in the summer, it's 65. This is so hot outside. I, I felt like Shadrach today. Uh, but... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down to the image of the king, Nebuchadnezzar. They were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. We, we, we know this story. The furnace had been stoked seven times hotter, I believe it is, so exceedingly hot that the men who were going to throw them in, they perished in the flames. Difficult and hot times are on the way for people that don't know Jesus Christ and for other believers. Maybe that brother or sitting, sister sitting next to you. Prepare provisions. Maybe God uses you to encourage and assist others. Occupy with necessities in the waiting time. These are always for preparation. It's interesting that, that, isn't it possibly perceivable that she at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego preparatorily purposed for the flames to come? They had set themselves apart and 
by being prepared, having set themselves apart, sanctified themselves, God preserved them. Is he not going to act the same way with you? If we will preserve ourselves, prepare ourselves rather. They crossed over through the fire without even the smell of smoke, Daniel tells us. Jesus is the cause. And he alone and him only and ever. One of my favorite my favorite book in the New Testament, Colossians, write down chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. Paul says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He's conveyed us from darkness into light. Is that, is that your life? Have you crossed over from darkness into light? Are you born again? Each one of you that are here, can you say yes to that? Amen. If you're not, there's a crossing over that God wants to usher you through. Maybe you're in a season and time of being perplexed in your life. A period of time. You're you're waiting to hear from God. Clearly, He is speaking. Maybe you're in that kind of a season. I'm sure the nation of Israel felt that way wandering around for 40 years in there. Is that wasted time? I suggest that it's not. It's not wasted time. There's no such thing in God's economy. But if He's speaking something tonight, that Tonight, Zachary, is a day of crossing over. And whatever he's been speaking to you, or Aaron, or Nick, Joe, is today a time there's been no wasted time. If you're convinced that there has been, perish the thought. That's rubbish. God is able. He's spoken in the past, most likely. He's definitely speaking now. It's time to cross over. In three days you will cross over, Joshua tells the officers to command the people. And that's a beautiful thing. Where in your life is God calling you to cross over? He's begun something, amen? And in the beginning we said, and we've known a long time, he always completes what he begins. But what is it? that he's calling you to press into, to press on through and cross over by faith, denial of self, take up our cross and follow him. Is he calling any of you to the mission field? How could I not plug that tonight? Maybe he's calling you to Ireland. You know what we need is a worship leader and a youth leader, just good, solid, faithful Christians. Pray about that. And if he says go, don't deny him. He only has better things to come. That's the life in the land of promise. Amen? Christian life. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for uh, Joshua, for the nation of Israel. They stumbled and fell and lagged and dithered around in a desert like 
we do, like I do, uh, yet you still use them. You're still using them today. Thank you for the life in your word. Thank you for the life you've put into my beautiful, dear brothers and sisters here. Lord God, use us profoundly in these days. As we see, in a sense, on the horizon of life like an iceberg, there's a lot of trouble that's visible. There's a lot of confusion and chaos that's visible. And Lord God, would you give us just a glimpse spiritually like that iceberg, how much trouble, the massive amount of trouble is underneath that's unseen by us. Equip our eyes and our minds with spiritual eyes and spiritual minds as we seek to live crossing over into the land of promise, the life of faith. Use this group, the devoted group, to impact even this church, to love on elderly, to minister to kids, to reach out to the lost, to clothe and feed homeless, to go to the mission field, which is right next door, to go to the mission field, which just across the border, to go to the mission field on the other side of this planet. God, help each one of us to know where you are crossing, how you are calling us to cross over and aid us, O oh God, to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.